special edition of Cancelot Radio here on blogtalkradio.com. It's me, it's me, it's the good old MC Mike Check. It's Wednesday, July 10th, 2013, and we're coming to you live from Everfree Northwest here in Seattle, Washington. Get ready for two hours of music, interviews, and everything that makes the Brony community great. You're listening to Cantalot Radio here on Blog Talk Radio.
Don't look for me in the spotlight Don't think that I am the one Who brightens your life And endlessly strives To live a life in the sun I will never shine I'll never be I 
edition of Canterlot Radio coming to you live from Seattle, Washington. That's right, folks. We have got a set of interviews here from Everfree Northwest that will make you go... The, that's right. This is the Everfree Northwest Extravaganza 2013. And joining me for the first round of interviews, uh, you may have heard him on our classic May 2013 edition where we played the Dennis Daniel Show drinking game and had 37 cups of cider. He is best known as Big Macintosh from My Little Pony and Samil Nevlar, the unbelievable coward from the Rules Pet Shop. The one and the only, Peter New. Peter, how are you doing, man? I'm really great. Now, before we get going, I really just want to say uh, thank you to everybody that came out to, to support me in, in Cincinnati, despite my not, in the end, being able to go. The last time we spoke, I really had every expectation of being in Cincinnati, and uh, and that didn't happen, which was a shame. So. Well, you see, when they take a Peter New away, yeah. sometimes a brony only has nothing left to cuddle with but his apple cider. That's true. But if, if you're going to cuddle with something, cider rules. That's, or as you would say, yep. Would I say that? I, I think he would. I what do you think, Pegasus' lives, Emily Jones? Hi, guys. I don't know. I think that's that's some rumor there that the bronies can conspire there. Those, those, yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, Peter, it's been about two months since we last talked with you on the Dennis Daniel Show, and um, I believe the last time we talked with you, you were talk, we were talking about your um, your uh, your project, Alien Abduction. Oh, so, uh, so could you give us a little update on uh, what's going on with that? Well, last time we talked about Alien Abduction, I think we were probably in the top ten or something of the uh, ninety entrants for the Cinecoo contest. Um, we made it into the top five. The top five teams went to Banff, Alberta to pitch their films to a panel of um, industry professionals. And one film was chosen and given one million dollars. And that film was... Wolf Cop. What? Wolf Cop. 
Wolf Cup. Wolf Cop. Cop. Wolf Cop. Cop. Yeah, it's a cop who's a wolf. And they and he plays by his own rules. He plays by his own rules. Yeah, their tagline, and I think this is, this is I, I always talk about how great this is. Their tagline is um, Dirty Harry, only hairier, which is pretty great. And I think if you're going to give a movie a million bucks and say, go make your movie for a million bucks, it's Wolf Cop. Like, that movie is going to look fantastic for a million dollars. And I, ultimately, I don't, uh, I don't blame the, the jury for making that decision. Our hope uh, is that uh, we can push forward despite not getting that million and find another million or two or three or ten. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we can make our movie and, and hopefully it'll look uh, just as good as Wolf Cop is going to look. I actually am really looking forward to Wolf Cup. I think it's going to be a, an absolute delight. Well, maybe you and some of those guys from that Dracula's Crazy Summer Vacation Spectacular could, could team up with the Wolf Cop to, to fight, the, fight the notorious uh, vampire mafia. I, something like I that. think that's an idea for the sequel. <laughs> Alien Wolf Cop. I like that. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You don't know your rights, Wolf Cop. Oh, yeah? What about the rights of that little girl? What about the rights of Fliegnark, the, Blix, the Blixnick? <laughs> that's great. That's great. Well, of course, uh, many also know you best as a Big Macintosh from the very popular My Little Pony, which you can catch when catch every week. It, which you can catch every weekend on the Hub. So um, we know that uh, season four is uh, set to debut this winter. Boo! Because who who, who who can wait forever? Can you wait till till winter, Emily? No, I cannot. You know, that, that, that's like an asterisk. You know, it could be December 2013, January 2014, and, and, and no one knows. No one knows what's going to happen, and I, I want to know now. But I, I know. I don't. I don't know either. I. It could conceivably mean November again. I don't know. It yeah. could mean that they meant that it will premiere in time for winter. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's going to premiere September 8th and and go through the winter. I don't. Yeah. Know. I don't I haven't got any idea. I um, I tend to find out about when the show premieres, when the hub releases an ad, and then the bronies go nuts, and I find out based on some tweet that somebody sends me. That's how I find out that the show yeah. is on the air. Yeah, yeah, but um, I okay. don't know in advance. I have no information about that whatsoever. Really? Well, yeah. well, maybe we can uh, maybe we can persuade some of the people at Hasbro to give Big Macintosh his own episode, and I, I don't mean one where he shares a love scene mm. with. With Miss Cheerilee and do the sh- the schmoopy doo or, or I, don't know. I I think we should try and persuade the people at Hasbro to give Big Macintosh and Sunil Nebla their own show. Yeah. Oh uh, Where it, I think it's just really just the two of them. I think it's a buddy show. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can I can <laughs> I can picture that. I can picture that. I guess it'd be the very odd couple. Come on, Big Macintosh. We've got to go get these fake cobras delivered <laughs> to the farm before sundown. Yep. <laughs> Take a shot. Take a shot. Oh, we are playing the Big Macintosh. We are playing game. the Dennis Daniel Show drinking game part two. We're already at three. We're at one. Uh, one. Yeah, we were at a we were at a 37 during our interview in May, so we got a bit of a way to cover up. But um, of course, let's talk about uh, Equestria Girls. You know, everyone everyone thought that that was going to be the movie that killed the franchise and left it in a box or left it in a ditch. But you know, and I was watching. I was watching it actually last weekend, and um, I see Alex Jack come in, and all of a sudden I hear out the corner of my ear, "Yep." Oh, it counts when you do it. Okay. No, 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 no. 
Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, I know I'm confusing everybody. But yeah, but um, so so it must have been pretty cool. You know, you did get a part in the in the uh, in the Equestria Girls movie. So uh-huh. so, what did you think of the human version of Big Mac and Tom? Well, I I haven't actually seen the movie yet. Um, although I would like to. Um, but uh, here's the story. I uh, I because I only had a couple of words in the movie. I wasn't. I didn't know that I was going to be the lacrosse player. When I got the job, I just knew I was going to be Big Mac, and I knew he was only going to say a couple of things. And you know, so they'll call you, and my, my agent will say, "Oh, you have an actor part," and that means it's um, it's a, a a part that has fewer than a certain number of lines, which sometimes happens with Big Macintosh because he sometimes only says, "Yup." Um, so the first thing that I do when I get a script like that is I I flip through it to see how many lines it is. Is it you know, I think it's like nine or fewer or something that I, I I'm allowed to have with that designation. So uh I flipped through it and I found out it was only one or two and so I looked at the scene as opposed to the whole movie. I just looked at the scene that they were in and I thought, do I understand this scene? And I did. So I didn't read the rest of it. I went into the studio and I and they said, Hey you've only got a couple of lines, you're also going to read this, but let's just record you out. So at two o'clock I went into the studio by myself, I did my lines, and then they said, Here's your contract, go home. And I went home and I never thought about it again. And then um and then I saw these designs for the Equestria girls and I thought, Oh, that's weird. Well, I, I know they, they I wonder I wonder what everybody thinks of that. <laughs> and then I started hearing about all this controversy. Woo-hoo. And then uh, I was talking to Megan McCarthy at one point and uh, and I asked her, you know, hey, what can you tell me about these uh, Equestria Girls designs and whatever? And she said, "Oh, well, you're in it." And I went, "I am." <laughs> so yeah, I never I never even got that far. So the the Big Macintosh I was playing was was the same Big Macintosh I always play. So uh, but he had fingers. But he had fingers. So I don't. Um, I don't think it. I don't think it made a, a significant difference to me. No, in the end. Well, still, still, you got you got a credit in there. I mean, that's yeah, important. Absolutely. I mean, I, I question your girls. You know, with all the controversy and, and hype that this movie has gotten, to have your name in the credits and have a have your character in there, you know, that's something. I mean, you could you could have ended up like Andrew Francis, who who was shining armor, and he wasn't in there. And I don't get they're that's, the Crystal Empire. They got Caden, but they don't have shining armor. No, it's my it's my contract that anytime I'm in the show, he's not in the same episode. So they had to make a choice. Yeah, I have that. That's part of my... It's like a, I have a, a locker at the office, and uh, he's not allowed to have his locker next to my locker. Ooh. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't actually have a locker at the office. I just um, I just thought it would be funny to try to make a high school reference, and it totally it's failed. So, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It did. It did. There were. I, w- I would have loved to have seen some more conflict between the main six instead of just that uh, area. But you know, you know, maybe. Uh, area. I like that area. That's the best part. The area. The, the uh, area. I like the uh, area too. It's my favorite right, area. Okay, quit making fun of me <laughs> on my own show. <laughs> God, it's killing me. Um, well, one thing we didn't really get to talk about a lot uh, in the interview in May was uh, Little's Pet Shop. Of course, how, how's um, how's that coming along? I know coming along great. I'm really looking forward to uh, how the second season's going to land on people. I don't know when it premieres. Presumably the winter, um, <laughs> along with uh, Tony. Uh, I'm really looking forward to to that. Wait, 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 wait. If it's in the winter, 
Could be January. Wait, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying. Don't, don't mongooses, don't they, don't they hibernate or something during the winter? Dude, I'm not, I, oh, all the episodes take place in the summer. It's just that the show premieres oh, in the winter. Oh, so, oh, so it's like, so it's like Royal. So Neil, okay. so Neil doesn't know he's on a TV program. No, we we don't need any more any more fourth wall breaking. No. Pinkie Pie's done enough of that for for three Hasbro series and a movie. So, but, but um, of course, so so how are you enjoying your time here at um Everfree Northwest, Peter? I, I love it. I I love coming to Seattle. It's you know it's nice because it's close and. Uh, it's one of those places which is is close enough to be similar and yet far enough away to be quite different, and that's always a joy. So you know, I feel very comfortable here in Seattle and uh, uh, and Everfree Northwest so far. I mean, it's only been a day. It's just the first day, just wrapping up now, and it's just been the the whole con is all abuzz and excited, and I you know I think the energy here is really terrific. Yeah. Well, Emily, you've been sitting there in the corner, dressed like Apple Bloom, and like, like you, like you've been just been like you're in the corner, like Granny Smith sent you for doing something bad. So she's my sister. You're fine. So, so do you have a question for Peter you want to ask him? Oh, um, I was kind of going off of you. I don't know. Oh, well, is there an event that you're looking forward to the most here? Maybe you get a chance to, to attend one of the fantastic panels that Everfree offers this weekend. Well, I was looking forward to an event that happened this afternoon that was the um, Pinkie Pie uh, Party Hour or something like that, which I think you can find on the live stream, um, where Andrea Lippman and I basically played Jenga uh, in front of a room full of people. I heard it was Battleship and Hungry Hungry Hippo. It was Hungry Hungry Hippos, it was Gen- but the Jenga was like Battleship because of the way they had it set up. So <laughs> it was like Battle Jenga. And we played Operation, and then there was another game that was a bit of a bust, and, and then we played Boggle at the end. And I actually thought Andrea was going to beat me at every single thing. I think the only thing she beat me at was Operation. Really? Um, yeah. I find that highly ironic considering her characters on the show. Well, I find it I find it highly ironic because she's an engineer. That's actually her training, right? Like she's so when we were playing Jenga, I thought I'm hooped. This is a woman that knows how to build a Jenga tower just by sussing it up. So I uh In other words, you were apple bucked. I was I was lucky. I lucked my way through all of that stuff. But yes, well, it, it does sound like a lot of fun. I, it, was I, I, it, was a, it was so fun. I had no idea what to expect from that that panel, and it just it was hilarious and funny and and just completely entertaining. Yeah. So so um, are there any other convention appearances that you can tell us about for the uh, for the rest of 2013? I have two that I can tell you about, and uh, one more that I can probably speculate about. Uh, next for me is Galacon in Stuttgart, Germany. That is coming up uh, the first weekend of August. The same weekend as BronyCon, unfortunately. I had to make a choice between one and the other, and I thought, well, Germany, okay. Let's go have some pretzels and... And 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 Wiener Schnitzel. And Wiener Schnitzel. Yeah, and from Faust. Schnitzel. Hold on. Go visit the sausage house. So instead of saying, nope, you'll be going, nine. And I'll be going, eat. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then uh, after that, the only other one I have um, on this side of the Atlantic is uh, Nightmare Nights in Dallas in November, uh, and I'm really looking forward to that too. I had a great time in Texas last week at, um, at Fiesta Equestria Houston, 
So I'm really looking forward to going back. I'm really interested too, because I mean, Texas has so many giant cities in it, and um, so often you go to a place and and the cities are the same, you know, as each other. You know. Are they really? Yeah, they are. You know, there's a certain there's an energy which is the same. Like they're Cleveland and Houston, or Cleveland and and, and Columbus are quite different, but there's a there's a similar vibe. There's something that's yeah. similarly Ohio about them. They're, they're lovely towns, but. Um, because we're from Ohio. Are you both? Okay. Um, but I really like Ohio. But uh, thank you, thank you. I'll make sure everyone. But then I, I'm really curious about Texas. If Houston and Dallas are going to be at all similar or completely different, I really don't know because it's so big and there's so many big cities there. And I know like um, some of the cities are really quite different from from the others. So I'm really interested in that. Yeah. And Dallas is one of those places that I, like I would never have thought in Houston either. I would never have really thought to go just on my own. So I'm really curious about those kinds of places, as I found with going to Cleveland or to Columbus, which are both places I would never have thought to go. And I've ended up having just tremendous experiences there. So, well, if you do go to Texas, Peter, uh, and you go to San Antonio, never forget to remember the apple mow. The apple mow. Yes, I I often mow my own apples. Gosh, well. Well, Peter, thanks for the I know what the joke is supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, uh, Peter, thanks again for being on the program. Again, this is truly a huge honor. Guys, be sure to check out My Little Pony, Weekends on the Hub, along with The Littlest Pet Shop. And uh, for those of you who are in Germany, uh, be sure to check out Peter New when he comes there. And uh, you know, treat this guy to a, to a couple of your famous beers and your Wiener Schnitzels and your and your later hosen. Yeah, treat me to your later later hosen. <laughs> treat me to later. And bring on your Danish chicks and your ginger ale. But <laughs> so, Peter, thanks again. And thanks. after our next block of music, we'll have another fantastic guest. You are listening to Cantalot Radio's Everfree Northwest Extravaganza 2013. Yep.
wants, you know I can give it. If there is a dreamy dream, I can let you live it. Take a chance and let me do what I do the best. We can take you, clean you up, and make you shine above the rest. It doesn't really matter what they thought of you before. By the time that I am done, no pony will ignore. You little you, now a great big superstar. Stick with me, baby, and I'll make you go far. That's right, I can make you.
right here on the Canterlot Radio Everfree Northwest Extravaganza 2013. Now, my guest at this moment is actually, you know, not a voice actress, but, you know, in the world of My Little Pony, everyone plays a crucial part. And for her, it's creating the fantastic storylines that make up the episodes that we've come to know and love. She's the one, the only, Miss Amy Keating Rogers. Mrs. Rogers, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm fantastic, and I really appreciate you taking out the time from, you know, being mobbed by all your adoring fans. <laughs> to uh, do a quick interview with us about, you know, working on the on the fantastic show that these kids seem to like called My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. I'm happy to be here. Well, of course, we all know that you are one of the very talented writers that make up the staff that produces the fantastic episodes that we've come to know and love. But what got you interested in writing? Um, it was very accidental. Um, it was because um, I started writing... I was a theater major in college. I had every intention of being an actor. That's what I always wanted to be growing up as a kid. Um, I acted in high school, and I was in college at Occidental College um, studying theater. And um, and I need I was in my senior year, and I needed another course to kind of fulfill my major. And I'd taken everything. Um, that I wanted to take or had to take, and so there was a playwriting class, and I took it um, kind of reluctantly, really, um, and turns out I was really good at it and really loved it, um, so I continued writing plays, um, and and the, I went to graduate school. I got my MFA in acting at CalArts, um, and but I, I kept writing plays at the same time, and my plays were produced both at Oxy and at CalArts and their new plays festivals, and I just kind of kept kept doing that. So it was just a just a a surprise that I ended up writing. Yes, well, it, that it seems with a lot of the interviews that we've done, you know, they just stumbled into this and they found their their calling and, and passion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I bet if you had a cue mark, it'd be a little quill with a little piece of parchment underneath. So yeah, could, possibly. I don't know. But of course, um, outside of My Little Pony, you've also written for many, many countless cartoon series, including Johnny Bravo, mm -hmm. Dexter's Laboratory, Samurai Jack, and the critically acclaimed Powerpuff Girls, which Lauren Faust worked on, who yes. would then go on to you know, develop the My Little Pony series. Mm -hmm. So what was it like writing for major cartoons that, that just resonate in the in the awesome era of the 90s and knowing that these cartoons have had an impact not just on 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 fans back in the 90s but have had you know but that have the uh, have the the power that's been generated into um into pop culture i i've been very lucky with all the shows that i've worked on i mean the first show that I uh, wrote for was Powerpuff Girls, which, as you said, it was this pop culture phenomenon. Um, nobody at Cartoon Network ever expected it to explode the way it did. I mean, Pony is this huge explosion that nobody expected, and uh, in, in, in its and its phenomenal, um, you know, and it's it, it's obviously it's bigger than than Powerpuff was, but the internet's totally different now than than it was back when Powerpuff was popular. Um, and Cartoon Network was a very new network at that time. And so when Powerpuff um, became so popular, we were all blown away by it. Um, and and so, um, you know, so many things happened with Powerpuff. Um, there were books, there were comics, um, and I got to be on board for writing the first versions of all of those. Um, there were, you know, I wrote a... Um, a guide to being a Powerpuff Girl book, 
Um, and so that was, it was amazing to be a part of that experience because I never, I never had an intention of writing for cartoons. It, it was very much being in the right place at the right time because, like I said, I started by writing plays and, and I had every intention of being an actor. Um, I just, I was working as a PA on Powerpuff and they needed help with the writing and so um, Craig gave me a chance to write and then, and, and then it, you know, aired, <laughs> the show aired and everybody loved the show and it just exploded. And then um, through those years at Cartoon Network, um, the crew kind of just moved from show to show like a family. And so I got to work, on, like you said, on Dexter's Lab and Samurai Jack, um, and then on Foster's, um, Johnny Bravo. And, you know, I just got to work on all these really amazing shows and learn about animation and cartoons. I mean, I watched cartoons as a kid, obviously, you know, like, like kids did, but, um, in comparison to all the people I was working with at the time who, um, you know, these artists who kind of lived and breathed animation the way I lived and breathed theater when I was a kid. Um, you know, the, these people, they knew everything about art and animation. And so I kind of jumped into it, um, you know, I was kind of kind of late to the game, um, but but jumped into it and, and learned as much as I could. It was, it was actually really good to start as a production assistant, and then I became a production coordinator before I started, you know, switched gears and began writing because I learned a bunch of, you know, how the cartoons were made and all the, you know, all the things, all the elements that you need in order to make the show. And I'm glad, I'm, I'm actually glad that I had that back, you know, had to learn all of that stuff and have an appreciation for it before I then got to move on to writing. Well, you may have been late to the game, Miss Rogers, but it, it looks like out of the gate you took off like a rocket <laughs> and, and you produced cartoons. And I, I can remember you know, watching Foster's every, every Friday night on Cartoon Network and mm -hmm. thinking, this is great. I'm like, and then I see, um, I, I see Cheese and I'm like, Okay, I'm like, oh, cheese. My mom, when I when I was in, in, in getting into college, she bought me a cheese T-shirt that said I pooted. <laughs> cheese, cheese is just, it's just incredible. And of course, all of this would then propel you into uh, 2010, and you begin working on this crazy program called My Little Pony: Friendship Is Magic. Mm -hmm. So, what's it like working on on the series? And um, what are some of the uh, of your favorite episodes that you've gotten to actually write for? Um, yeah, it was great getting to uh, getting to write for Pony. Um, Lauren approached me actually at the rap party of Fosters, and for those who don't know what a rap party is, a rap party isn't when we're like throwing down raps. Um, it's, Word. <laughs> it's when you're finishing a show and you have a big party because you are wrapping things up. Pure in the eye. Um, and so Lauren, um, we're, I was at the rap party, and Lauren came up to me and said, "Hey, I'm pitching this new." Uh, version, or she had pitched it. She said, I've pitched this new version of My Little Pony. If it gets um, greenlit, um, I'd really like you to write for the show. And I was really flattered that she would consider me, and I was like, that sounds awesome, because I knew that, I know Lauren's sensibilities, and um, that she um, has such a strong belief in strong female characters, and I knew that if she created this version of My Little Pony, it was going to kick butt. It was not going to be stupid. It was going to be, you know, really amazing, you know, strong. So they banked the right pony. Yes, 
Exactly. And and all of my plays um, have very strong female characters. And so she and I have this kind of similar feeling in our, you know, in our writing. We, we have, you know, we just were on the same page as far as that goes. Um, so it was, you know, so I was waiting and she said, you know, I don't know when this is going to happen, but if it happens, I'll, I'll call you. And that was actually in February of 2009. And I forget when um, I actually got the call from her saying, yeah, you know, we're, they're moving forward with it. Um, and, and yeah, I got, you know, I got to sit down with her and our friend Paul Rudish, who um, is now doing, um, and everybody should watch these, the Disney uh, Mickey Mouse shorts, um, which are these fantastic things. And, but Paul Rudish worked on um, Powerpuff, Dexter's Lab, um, all, all those shows. And so, you know, similar sensibilities. And he is this amazing artist. And we broke, um, Lauren had the, the pilot idea and all that stuff, but then you need other people to kind of spitball and work out all the details. Yeah. So the three of us did all that together um, from Lauren's original idea, you know, broke it down and, and flushed it out and all that hoo-ha. Um, and, and so, you know, to be there from the beginning with Lauren, um, you know, when once things were all, you know, once, once things were ready to go, um, was fantastic. And she wrote one of the most amazing pitch Bibles I've ever read. You know, the details of the characters and the world and everything was fantastic. So when I got to, you know, jump into scripts, um, you know, she'd gone into such detail that you, you had a good map as to where you were going. Um, as to my favorite episodes, I really love um, A Friend Indeed because it's Pinkie Pie, who I love. Who doesn't? <laughs> And I got to write a song, you know, I got to write the smile song for that. Um, and then I got to write lots of little ditties as well, the Cranky Doodle Donkey Ditty, the Welcome Song. Um, so, so many, you know, elements of things. It's like, it, was a, it was just such a fun episode for me because it was all the things I love all packed into one big package of awesome. Or package of Pinky Pop. Package of Pinky. Um, so, yeah, I really, really love that. Well, I, I, I got to tell you, Miss Rogers, that, that smile song has just resonated in the Brony community. I mean, outside Everfree right now, people mm -hmm. are singing the smile song with a saxophone accompaniment. <laughs> and I cannot, I can't tell you, tell you how many remixes of the smile song we've played on Camelot Radio. It's just, I think, you know, that song is, is what my um, audience says, the best My Little Pony song produced. And with, with, with just, when, if you're feeling sad, you listen to that once or twice. And you're back to Pinkie Pie smiling, and that's 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 a testament of what all those years of experience working on those other shows and working on My Little Pony right now have accumulated to. You found a way to touch an audience, a generation, without even having to be behind the microphone, and I, I think that is really powerful. Saying that that you know you just produced this this piece of of, of song that. Every Bernie, every Bernie knows Smile Song, and even if you haven't heard it, it's an infectious tune. Mm -hmm. It's got a great beat, great lyrics, yeah. and it just, after hearing that, you can't help but smile. Yeah, yeah. No, Daniel did a fantastic job with the tune, and he took my lyrics and, and made them, you know, really magical, and yeah, I love I absolutely love that song. Now, all we need is a digital release of that song, and that would be fantastic. They need to make a My Little Pony soundtrack. with I'm a, with you. And include Cranky Doodle Donkey, the mm -hmm. Welcome, Welcome, Welcome song, and Smile. Mm -hmm. But um, it just 
again, Smile, just a perfect song. Everyone loves it. And we can't thank you enough for writing that for us. It just, it, it, it just that brings the tears. <laughs> but um, anyway, before we uh, let you go, um, we like to ask our um, people on our show who have got all kinds of great experience doing various things, whether it's voice acting, whether it's wrestling, whether it's writing, um, do you have any advice for those who also want to pursue a career in writing like you have? Yeah, my advice is to write. Um, take writing classes um, and have your stuff, you know, join a writing group. Have your stuff read out loud um, because there's no better way to kind of work out the kinks of what you've written than hearing it. And you kind of go, oh, boy, um, when you hear it. Um, and listen to people's critiques. Um, you may get really annoyed by them um, and get, you know, just, yeah, cranky. I always get cranky at notes. And I kind of stomp around for a little bit, and then um, then I settle down. And I realized, you know, um, some of the notes are good and some of the notes are, are whatever. Um, one of my writing teachers described it as, you know, it's, um, it's you know, putting sand in a sieve, um, the rocks that stick around um, when you, once you've shaken this, the sand through are the things that you probably do need to change in your script. Um, and I'm talking about things that, that, you know, of your, of your original writing, not, you know, things from, you know, when, when you write professionally and the network asks you to change something. I also get cranky at those notes too, but you have to change those because you're being paid. But, with, you know, with your original stuff, kind of the stuff that, you know, you get so married to those things when it's your original idea. Um, but, you know, you know, sometimes you, if there's, there are these phrases called, you have to kill your babies. Sometimes the, the thing, um, Killing the babies? But I, I can't kill the babies. But it's the, you know, these, sometimes you have this idea that is so precious to you, but sometimes that idea, it, in the end, it, you have to go, okay, that no longer works. That may have inspired me to get the writing started, but now that idea has to go away and the, the direction of the writing has gone somewhere else. There's also, um, you know, cutting out the dead wood. Um, if you have kind of just too much junk in there and you gotta, you know, edit, edit, edit. Um, so those are my various pieces of writing advice. Um, but just keep writing. That's the, my biggest piece of advice. You know, you can't be a writer if you don't write. Write. <laughs> and if you don't write, you're wrong. Exactly. Oh gosh. You get paid um, to do this? Yeah. No. 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 I, this, is, this, is, this year. This year. I'm still trying to sifter out my things. Find the, the rock yeah, that stick. Find the rock that stick that I need to change. There you and go. That's kind of hard when it's all just one big rock. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, Miss Rogers, thank you so much for You're taking welcome. some time with us. And uh, when we come back after our next fantastic block of music here on Camelot Radio, we're going to be continuing the Pinky Palooza with Miss Andrea Lipman, who may know as Pinkie Pie and Fluttershy from the hit series. You're listening to the Canterlot Radio Everfree Northwest Extravaganza 2013.
Good. Screaming and hollering. Yes. And most importantly, passion. Right. So now that you know the elements of a good cheer, let's hear one.
But, uh, you know, um, whatever you want to do is fine. Louder! Radio Everfree Northwest Extravaganza 2013. Throughout the show today, we're going to be bringing you some fantastic interviews. And joining me right now, continuing our Pinky Palooza, and I, I'm ready just to, to, to you know explode out of my chair because she is by far one of my favorite VAs 
on My Little Pony. And if you haven't guessed by now, she's the uh, voice of Pinkie Pie and Fluttershy, the wonderful Miss Andrea Libman. Miss Libman, thank you and welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Uh, I hope you don't explode out of your chair. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I, 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 I'm so, so excited. Pinkie Pie is is my favorite pony because she just shows shares so much with me. I'm random. I'm crazy. And I like saying cherry kumquat. <laughs> or Jimmy cherry chaga. It's a, it's a very, very addictive word there. So um, what got you interested in acting? Oh, um... Well, I was a kid, so it was um, more of a hobby, I guess, when I was a kid, um, and just loved doing it, uh, mostly to miss school. That was the primary reason, and I had a ton of fun, so just fun. Fun, 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 I know, fun, fun. Uh, we, know, we know from the panel that you, uh, uh, that was really tough saying fun 50,000 times and too many Pinkie Pies. It was tough. And, and first off, too many Pinkie Pies, that's an oxymoron. I know. Because you can never, can never have too many Pinkie Pies. Never, ever. I don't know. We, 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 there were like, what, 100 Pinkie Pies at the end? We could have had our, our own Pinkie Pie version of the Royal Rumble. <laughs> it's every pony for himself in the Royal Rumble. That's a, that's a joke I like to do. Well, anyway, of course, many may not know that you were actually started at a young age. Um, one of your earliest known characters is, of course, Madeline, the, the very lovely little French child. Wee oui, wee. Oui. That, that means yes, not, not not bathroom break, just for those who don't know. So what was it like working on a beloved children's classic like that and and just, you know, resonating with a character that has just touched so many children's lives, oh, whether in the animation or even, even reading the book series? Uh, it was a great experience, just really positive, really wonderful stories, and um, it was really good experience in terms of music because we recorded songs that had ten-part harmonies in them, and we worked with the composer, and we had rehearsals. So it was just a great learning experience and a lot of fun. I, I gotta say, I wasn't a really big Madeline fan when, when I when I was a little kid. I was I was I was into some weird stuff: Power Rangers, Spider Man, X Men, stuff like that. Boy stuff. Boy stuff, yeah, yes. But um, you know, my idea of boy things changed in 2010 when this new show comes out, My Little Pony: Friendship Is Magic, and I see this. Random pony just stop in midair after a gasp, and I'm like, huh? And of course, I, everyone knows her best as Pinkie Pie, and of course, you voice, I think, two very parallel characters on that show, being Pinkie Pie and Fluttershy. So, uh, what's it like voicing for them, and, and how did you develop their characters, considering one's all, someone's crazy! And the other one's all quiet and, and timid, yay. Well, you, you said it. I mean, their characters were really clearly defined by Lauren. She knew what she wanted. Um, so a lot of times you go into a show and it'll just say, girl, age five. Right. And you just have to come up with whatever you think that's going to be. But for My Little Pony, the characters, you know, it would say, um, you know, it was a huge paragraph describing what they were like. So it gave you so much more to go off of. So I just read the descriptions and then I took, you know, what I thought of that and came up with something. Well, I gotta say, Andrea, what you came up with, oh jeez, I don't even know if there's a word that I can I can describe for it. I I I, I, I try to make something up like nervous sided, but I, I, I don't know if I can. How about Exciterific. 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 I like that one. Pinkie Pie is just a character that we can all relate to. We all like being hyper, crazy, mm. insane, and that's just me. But uh, of course, Pinkie Pie, you know, is just you know she's always there to make her friends her friends happy, make anyone who's having a bad day great, 
And it's just it's so cool that you get to voice her and, and just share that that infectious. I don't know if it's the infectious giggle, the laugh, just the attitude. I mean, some of the best things come out of My Little Pony are Pinkie Pie related. I think you're a little bit biased. I'm not biased, <laughs> me, Andrea. No. Well, well, I do. I do have a traveling companion in Pinkie Pie. Uh huh. Okay, I so knew it. guilty as charged. <laughs> but of course, um, let's talk about a uh, Fluttershy a little bit. You know, quiet, timid. You know, afraid of her own shadow. Unless, unless she's getting lessons from Iron Will, which is kind of like scary. Mm -hmm. So, so what's it like voicing her and, and creating this timid character that, when you see her, just like shaking like a little leaf, or like, mm, and 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 dog. Well, what's really interesting about Fluttershy is that there's not a lot of characters like that in animation because it's really hard to get that character trait across. It really doesn't express well over the microphone. It's really, really tough. And I think no one else has really gone out there and said, okay, let's go for it and try and do it. Because, you know, when I record that on the mic, they have to turn the levels way differently. Well, obviously, especially for... Pinkie Pie going back and forth with those two. But even just to pick up those little sounds, to pick up those emotions, it's really hard to get that across, but I think uh, the show does a really good job of getting her out there. Yes, well, I, I mean, for first, they probably have to crank that thing up to the max just to mm -hmm. even, get the, even get the whimpers in there. Yeah. But, you know, you just do such a great job with Fluttershy, and, you know, when I first saw her, I was like, my heart melted, essentially, out of my rib cage. I'm like, Oh, pizza. out of your rib cage? That's right. It, it melted. It, it, it seeped through. I, I, I you got it back. Oh, 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 oh. When Pinkie Pie came along, got it right back. But but Fluttershy made me shed duh tears. Aww. Uh, just just I just you know just she's so. How lovely. did you? I have a question for you. How did you come to watch the show for the first time? Well, it's a funny story, Andrew. You see, my little sister Katie. She was like, oh, oh, Dennis, Dennis, you got to check out the new My Little Pony. I'm like, My Little Pony, that's, that's for kids. That, that's some girly garbage. Like, just check it out. And how old is your sister? At the time, she was 15. Okay. So you're like, check it out, check it out, check it out. I'm like, all right. And, I, and the first one I watched, uh, The Mayor and the Moon, and I'm like, okay, not bad. So then I watched part two. Okay, getting better. And then you know start getting there eventually, but um, of course the one that won me over was Al's Well It Ends Well, and Kathy knows that very well. Um, uh, but and then I you know, start seeing all these Pinky episodes. I, Griffin the brush off was a lot of fun because now that was a lot of fun. All the pranks and stuff, and the Pinkie Pie walking by, and the and, and the comedy swag haters gonna hate. <laughs> it just um, but I, I like I said I think my overall. Favorite Pinkie Pie episode. It's a tie between Too Many Pinkie Pies and A Friend Indeed, because we were just talking with Amy about working on the Smile song for that, and that mm. song has just resonated in the Brony community. Everyone loves that song. There, I don't know a Brony out there that doesn't like this song. And you know what they say? If a Brony doesn't like Smile, it's probably because they've never heard it. And you know, just Pinkie Pie has just been it's been tied to some classic moments, like like in the Crystal Empire episode in season uh, three. When Fluttershy walks up and just unzips, goes, my cover has been blown. I repeat, my cover has been blown. That is that that is some total flutterception. I know. Flutterception. That that, that 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 was weird. That was that was a weird moment. That that makes it. And, and then in too many Pinkie Pies, when Pinkie does the quiet wee, it just slides dips into there. I give it a nine out of ten. Golf clap. 
but you know, you know, the, just the show was just taken off like a rocket, and you know, and for the longest time, I couldn't see why. But you know, now I'm starting to get a perspective on it. Not only does this show break away from the, the, the stereotypes that are similar with My Little Pony, I mean, you got, I mean, in the original, you had, you know, cutesy, wootsy, flutters, flutters, and butterflies, and rainbows, and. <laughs> But in this one, you've got, you got elements of, of Samuel Beckett, Theater of the Absurd, slapstick comedy. Uh, You've got, um, you got great characters, great storyline, and most importantly, they're not trying to sell toys to you. That just happened. Those are the added benefits. Oh, it did? Win. <laughs> oh, well, let's do one right now. Be sure to pick up the incredible Interplay My Little Pony Fluttershy Limited Edition box set with a special Fluttershy card in there. Do it because Andrea said so. Oh, because yeah. I said so. Yeah, I said I said so. But, um, <laughs> of course, um, another thing we got to talk about, of course, that, that, that many thought would be the hellbringer of destruction and death and chaos is, of course, Equestria Girls. Did you think that? No. I, oh. I, I have an open mind. I was, I was actually looking forward to seeing this and seeing Pinkie Pie just sum up what's going on in, in not in just like, like 15 seconds. Aw, snap, Pinkie Pie. <laughs> And, and we've learned in that, in that no matter what dimension Pinkie Pie's in, she'll defy the law of physics anytime. Of course. So, so what was it like working on Equestria Girls? And, and you know, it, considering all the, all, the, all the positive and negative flack that has been thrown back and forth about it. Well, when I worked on it, it was just all positive. Um, you know, great story, great scripts, great music. Um, just great. Yeah, it was awesome to work on. So, so, yeah, I'm hoping people are liking it now that they're seeing it. Well, if they haven't seen it, they don't got to wait too long because the first week of August, Equestria Girls hits regular and Blu-ray DVD. Oh. So uh, for all our listeners right now, stay tuned to Karen Lot Radio because we're going to give away a copy Wow. on the air. So uh, before we let you go, um, do you have any advice for those who do want to pursue a career in, in acting or, or voice acting like you've done? Yeah, just uh, practice. um Act as much as you can, put yourself out there, be confident, and uh, good luck. All right. Well, before we go, do you think maybe you'd give us a tiny little pinky pie? Not, 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 like, not, not like 20 minutes of fun, 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 but maybe just a little... How about this? Kimmy Carrie, 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 Yes. Yeah? Yeah. I thought you might like that. Yes, well, Miss Lidman, thank you so much for thank being on here, much. and uh, for, and make sure you follow us on Twitter because we've got a uh, one of those Fluttershy boxes that we're hoping to have Miss Lidman here sign for us to give away to one of you fantastic followers. And when we come back from our next block of music, we're going to be talking pretty with Mr. Andrew Francis, aka Shining Armor. You're listening to Canterlot Radio's Ever Free Northwest Extravaganza 2013. <laughs>
Canterlot Radio, Everfree Northwest Extravaganza 2013. Woo! Exactly. And with the help of the Dennis Daniel Show, we are bringing you some incredible interviews from here at Everfree Northwest in Seattle, Washington. And joining me at this time, well, he's an incredible guest. He's had so many jokes made about throwing cadence in the Season 3 opener that Coach Marvin Lewis has offered Shining Armor a contract as a quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> he is the one, the only, Andrew Francis. Andrew, how are you doing, hey, man? Hey, very good. Good to be here. Yes, I, I apologize for all the, all the throwing jokes. I have an amazing wife toss. Are you kidding me? One of my many talents. Yes. And, of course, being Cincinnati, now we have to make a Bengals joke. <laughs> it was either that or, or, uh, or we asked Shining Armor... If he was on a team with a certain coach, Dicka, would he consider joining the Bears? The Bears. The Bears. You better believe I would. Dicka. Dicka. The, the Bears. <laughs> All right. We, like and we get that joke out of the way. <laughs> so, of course, um, what got you interested in acting? Um, I started when I was young. Uh, when I was six, I started doing commercials. And when I was nine years old, uh, I got braces. And so I wasn't able to do those serial commercials anymore because they thought maybe that would give you braces or something, right? Or, so that was kind of the end of that. Or you get the cornflakes stuck in your, in your braces <laughs> exactly, there. The big, no, wow. that's not, it's not going to sell cereal, my friend. <laughs> not, not very well, that's for sure. And so, uh, yeah, at nine years old, I got my braces, and I uh, decided to sort of make a switch and find another way that I could perform and still do what I did. And so I went in. Uh, my first job was called Sammy the Squirrel at Ocean Studios. It was, uh, I think it was three days of uh, claymation. I played Sammy, and that kind of broke me into that studio, and it broke me into the whole voice acting game. Well, that's pretty cool. I remember back at a, at a young age, um, you were on this uh, this show, and, and Kathy will kill me if I don't talk about it, Cyber Six. Cyber and Six. you played uh, Julian. I played Julian, that's so, right. So what was it like working on that and, and working with Kathy at a, at, a, at a young age and now getting to work with her as Spike on My Little Pony? That's right. Um, it was really great, actually. We lived in the same town in Tawasin. I lived with my parents still, and she had just moved there. And so she always gave me a ride home after the session. Awesome. And so, uh, yeah, we kind of had this little uh, time to decompress on the way home and sort of talk about the session that we just had. And uh, it was such a fun show to be on. The, the animation later was just so cool. Uh, people had a really strong vision for the characters and the storylines. And so it was, uh, it was quite upsetting, actually, when it didn't come back for a second season. Uh, everyone thought it would, and there was actually a big push by the fans to have it come back for a second season. But through the magic of, of YouTube and Hulu, Woo. they actually Woo. have the episodes on, on there, and I watch They it. still do. Yeah, I know. They oh, what? Yeah, no, they, no, no, they, no, I'm asking you. They actually still do. I yeah, they have it on, yeah, it's on YouTube and on Hulu wow. for free. I sound like a little girl in that thing. I'm so young. Yeah. Like, My voice is so young and squeaky. Well, hey, hey, that, hey it's, it's a great start. And, of course, <laughs> yeah. um, speaking of uh, younger roles, you were also known, and I just found this out, as Genki from the popular Monster Rancher series. That's right. That was a big, that was a big part to get. I was so excited about that. That was kind of in the in the height of those types of shows. So Pokemon, I was a big fan of Pokemon, and Digimon was happening, and to be able to do that was just such a blast. And I remember getting the part. I was walking down the road, and uh, my agent called me up, and I guess my uh, my mom and myself were both on the phone. He says, "Guess what?" And he's, he's a very very flamboyantly gay. He says, "Guess what, Andrew." You got Genki. <laughs> and it was, it was such a fun thing to hear. You got Genki. And so it was, yeah, it was hilarious to hear and, and even better news to to realize what I was going to get myself into. Because we did, I mean, we did hundreds of episodes of that. They tried to recast me after the, uh, I think it was either the first or the second season because my voice was changing. Yeah. But thank goodness the character grows up a few years in the time off. So 
they didn't can me. Yeah, uh, yeah. We noticed the voice changing a lot when when we were talking about Pokemon. We got yeah. to interview Veronica Taylor, who's the original Ash Ketchum yeah. from the first eight seasons back in 2011, and we talked about the evolution of her voice. They they still stuck with her, and yeah, it was really cool. Now, did hers stuff. change a lot? Because a lot of times women voice actors they won't change that, as much. That's why it's so good to cast a woman I, as, as. I noticed the change from the first season. It kind of changed, I guess, midway into the third season. Right. But I mean, like a Bart Simpson is a perfect example, yeah. right? You know, like that's a, a voice that is sort of stuck, but also it's had a bit of an evolution as yeah. it's gone along. And Homer, oh my gosh, yeah. Homer's oh yeah, so different at the start. He was so dopey, dope, you know. Dope. And now, now, he's, now, 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 now. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, of course, I, I think the role that many know you for nowadays is, of course, Shining Armor from My Little Pony, and that we that's saw right. that. I yes, that's right. <laughs> that Twiley. Twiley. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That paddle made me laugh. <laughs> What's it like playing Shining Armor and you know getting to do this this brotherly this big it's brotherly a shining character. honor is what it is. But uh, <laughs> thanks, I needed that. Um, no, it's 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 awesome playing the big brother, getting to play such a genuine stand-up kind of guy uh, in a show, and also getting to play a strong male character in a show where there aren't a lot of strong male characters, a lot of strong uh, female characters, and a lot of crazy male characters. Uh, but it's really cool to uh, to get to play somebody who's just straight up and, and be a part of such a wonderful cast. Yeah. It does sound like a lot of fun to play Shining Armor, especially with all the uh, all the constant puns about throwing your your, uh, <laughs> your bride to be. <laughs> lots of liquid pride jokes. Lots of liquid my wife. liquid pride got duh tears. <laughs> duh tears. Duh tears. <laughs> Amazing. Nice. Oh, liquid pride. So, um, of course, are there uh, any new shows that you're working on that you can tell us about? Uh, yeah, so I've, uh, we're doing, we just started this uh, season two of Max Steel, um, and I play uh, a whole slew of characters, Max, Toxon, Fishy, Xander, Air Elementor, Fire Elementor, a lot of really fun bad guys, so that's a total blast to work on, and uh, apparently it's doing very, very well on Disney XD, and so we're, um, we're, we're in season two right now, Slug Terra is airing at the moment, which is uh, kind of like a... Uh, uh, Pokemon uh, Monster Rancher type of feel. It's about Eli Shane going underground and uh, uh, saving the slugs slash battling with them. Um, so you find them, you know, got to catch them all. Uh, you uh, you find them and then they have different powers when they reach velocity. You send them out of a slug slinger. And so that's a really fun one. And then Johnny Test um, is the, the little little show that could. And we're still we're still doing new episodes of that. You so. play Gil. Oh, of course you do, Johnny Brah. And girls I've never seen before. <laughs> <laughs> we had to mention that or else Mareka would kill us. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, Mareka. She's so great on that show, yeah. too. She really does such a great job. Well, well, unfortunately, we are out of time. So, oh, Andrew, so I know, but thanks for joining us. We'll, hey. we'll have to have you back on for a full-fledged interview yes, on the yes, Dennis yes, Daniel yes, Show. Yes, get a hold and, of uh, and when we come oh, back, we're, yeah, And when we come back, we're going to wrap up the ever-free Northwood Extravaganza with the wonderful Michelle Kreber. You're listening to Canterlot Radio here on blogtalkradio.com. See ya. I'm blasted.
not known to be patient. So far from home, from our equestrian nation. Miss a standing ovation. Miss a light from the stage with a grand innovation. Painted face, heavy, I drop it. Smelling place, don't know you got it. Don't always get what you're hoping for. More worried than a bat with a joke or more. But we're still breathing. And the sunset is setting so sweetly this evening. No, you're thinking of leaving. But though it seems hopeless, I hope you believe me. It's an issue, not insurmountable. Never was a test, no one holds you accountable. Can't advance in life without stress. And the word we defeat, let me teach you a lesson. Life is full of problems, life is full of hurting. But it's hard to solve when your mind isn't certain that you're on the right path, right track. What's that? Don't know where we are, but I know where we're at. Galapagos Islands, I'm here with you. Don't pick sides when it's only we do. Don't brood. What did I do? You're my best friend, there's no need to argue. Have a good time, I don't need your permission. But time will crawl by when work's inefficient. Know that you're ready to go and get vision. But tabby, tabby, stop and just listen. We'll carry on, somebody get you. So sing your song, the melody will let you get you where we're gone. Celestial bless you, new day will dawn, we'll focus on our rescue. One, two, three, tabby, dance with me. Throw a lost at the breath is just no way. Just who I am Out here No cell phone service With a blank stare But I'll serve its purpose Not worthless Look under the surface Clear blue seat And these ponies are shirtless
Cantalot Radio Everfree Northwest Extravaganza 2013, and unfortunately, we are almost out of time for this installment of Cantalot Radio. But before we go, I've got one final guest. I could have interviewed her in the beginning, or I could have interviewed her in the middle, but she wanted to be interviewed now. I can do. You may know her best as Apple Bloom and the singing voice of Sweetie Belle from My Little Pony, the very talented Michelle Kreber. Miss Kreber, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Fine. It's just it's so amazing because on the Dennis Daniels show, we don't normally interview a lot of kids, normally adults who are established, but we like to focus on the past, the present, and the future of voice acting. And surely with you, the future is well intact. So oh, thank you. So well, what got you interested in acting? Um, well, it kind of started off with singing, and um, my parents went to a music school called Kruger Music, um, and ever since, you know, even before I was born, I was introduced to music, and I would sit in hours of music lessons, and I, then when I could talk, I started singing, and then that turned into performing, and, you know, when you perform in theater, and there comes acting, and then... I got interested in, you know, on-screen work, and that also translated into voice acting. So that's how I got myself here. That's a, it's a great road to take, and mm. I thought the acting did a lot of improv. Yes, uh, yes, minimal. Yes, but um, of course, uh, many know you best as Apple Bloom of the Cutie Mark Crusaders. Indeed. <laughs> I love that voice, because I actually have some southern roots in Kentucky myself. Oh, nice. So um, anyway, you're, you're also known as um, the singing voice of Sweetie Belle from My Little Pony, so... Mm -hmm. What's it like voicing for the series, and especially a character who who is learning so much about themselves and still trying to find their way in life, like many of us still are ourselves? Well, that's what I've always said. My favorite part about the Kingdom of Crusaders is because I think so many people can relate to them, and especially kids and young adults. Um, I think, I mean, even everyone goes through that in their lives. It's just something that you know has to be done, and sometimes it comes with a little bit of a struggle. And that's why it's so important to never give up. And that's why the Cutie Mark Crusaders, um, you know, tell such great lessons in, you know, their adventures. Yes, I, I, I got to tell you, they, they have some really great, great inter episodes of the series. Um, I like, I loved Ponyville Confidential. Yeah, definitely. But I, I think my favorite is the, um, the, the Bad Seed. The uh, we, we all met Bab Seed, and you, I love that song. That Bab Seed, Bab Seed, what we gonna do? We got a bully on our tail, we got a high, we got a bail. Bab Seed, Bab Seed, if she's after you, you gotta run, you gotta flee, we gotta hurry, don't you see? Bab Seed, Bab Seed, she's just a bad Bab Seed. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great song. I actually wanted to do that. That is so cool. So, of course, outside of the My Little Pony, you've been doing a lot of um, projects with the fans, and I think your best-known one is the Beat It tribute song that you did with Black Griffin, which we featured a lot on Canterlot Radio. Oh, so, thank you. Oh, thanks. You make it look awesome. Oh, I just, I got, I got to tell you, it, that, that song, the ball, it's out of there. <laughs> so, um, and of course, you got to perform it at um, Pony Sock on Friday. So, wh what was that like? What was it like, you know, getting to interact with your fans and talented guys like Black Griffin and make all these great fan-related content? Well, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, there's so many extremely talented musicians out there, and uh, to um, to collaborate with them and, you know, to get to sing songs to the fans and, you know, 
uh, just having that opportunity to work with them is, is awesome. I think it, it's also one of those things where it's sort of given us a connection with the fans a little more, and, you know, we really like to interact um, with as many people and do as many things with fans as we can because I think it's important because if, it, if there are not any fans, there's no show, you know? And if there's no show, then this poor little filly has to starve, and that's terrible. That's terrible, terrible, terrible. That's some, that's some bad spelling right there. But, of, of course, I'm outside of the, of the fans. You, now, I, I hear you do this YouTube show. Could you, could you tell us a little bit about it? Speedy and Stretch? Yeah, Speedy and Stretch. Yeah, Speedy yeah. and Stretch. Well, Speedy and Stretch um, is something that uh, it's kind of a reflection of what my friend, well, my best friend Natalie and I have been doing like our whole lives because I've known her since I was very, very young. We've always been performing with each other. So it's um, it's just one of those things where, you know, we should, hey, we should do this, you know, for a real thing. And we came up with the idea of Speedy and Stretch, you know, because she used to also be a lot taller than I than I was, but then I grew, and so we might have to call the show Stretch and Stretch, but that's a different story for a different time. Well, you, you, um, you could be fast, you could be Speed and Speed. Yes, Speed and Speed, yes. And I, I don't think that had that same appeal as Speed and Stretch. Yeah. So, so, so what goes on? What, what, what is the, it's, a, it's like an improv series where you do various things, or well, is it like a, a little mini-series like Seinfeld? It's very similar to SNL, except obviously it's like family-friendly, you know. Um, uh, but it's also got a lot of um, different variety of things. You know, we've had we have original sketches, we have classic sketches. You know, like Who's on First and um, Cheese Shop, and sometimes we do parodies, and then we do music videos. And there's this new sketch that Natalie and I just filmed uh, before we came here, and it and that's completely improv. So it just really depends on you know what we're feeling is going to work for what we're doing. And I don't know. Kind of reminds me of a, a classic Canadian comedy show. It might have been before your time, the Red Green Show. Oh, oh yes, and, and they would play off each um, Steve Smith and Patrick McKenna, who played Red Green, and uh, his nephew Harold. They would play off each other, and they yeah. would have various segments. And yeah. it, it, was, it, it kind of sounds a lot like that. So it does sound like it should be worth getting a, a, giving a look yeah. at. It's a lot of fun, you know. Um, if also, just check check a few things up because we've got a lot of variety of things. So if you see something that's not to your liking, there's probably something else there that you know is more up your alley. So check, definitely check it out. It's on my YouTube channel, Michelle Krieber, and um, yeah, totally. That's, that's totally cool. So um, besides My Little Pony, are there any other projects that you're working on that you can tell us about? Well, um, I just uh, it was officially announced that um, I am. The voice of Wendy on the new Peter Pan show, uh, opposite Matt Hill as Peter Pan. <laughs> Matt Hill as Peter. Yeah. I can actually picture that. I've gotten to talk with Matt, and that does sound like something Matt would do. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, so yeah, um, I think it's not it's not playing in um, Canada or the U.S. yet. Right now, it's in Australia, um, but it should be coming sometime soon. So yeah. Right. Well, Michelle, unfortunately we are out of time, and I want to thank you so much for, for joining us here on the extravaganza. And I want to thank everyone who has made Everfree Northwest incredible, Andrea, Peter, Amy, Emily Jones from Pega Sisters Live. And until we see you down the road, this is Mike Chick reminding you that no matter where you go in life, friendship is magic. And aren't you going to stay for brunch? Bruh. Why not? Okay, so if you guys will excuse me, me and Al Bloom got some brunch. We'll see you all next week, and salutations from Everfree Northwest.